And nobody's thinking about that. Everyone's thinking about making these big NIL deals, but no one's thinking about, okay, well, where do I have to pay taxes to on it? Uncle Sam will always get his part. Whether you like it or not, that's, that's, that's right. a fact. Welcome to the recruit grind once again, and we are back on that grind. And this is probably the most special guest I've ever had on the podcast. Uh, I have asked my mother to come on. <laughs> Mom, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm I'm good. <laughs> Tired. My mom knows that I have two little kids that run around and. and uh, pretty much keep me super busy all day. So I'm always complaining to her about how tired I am, but I'm good. I'm really good. The, and uh, it's easy for me because I'm an empty nester. Empty nester. So for those uh, that didn't know, I'm actually the youngest in the family, uh, the youngest of technically seven. Uh, and it's it's exhausting being the youngest. And my, my, my siblings would attest to that. So... Uh, <laughs> it's it's just so hard being amazing you know i'm just kidding <laughs> oh but uh i i asked my mom to come on for a specific reason my mom's actually been been doing taxes for a long time how long you've been uh working with people on their taxes now mom i have been doing taxes since 2007 2007 when i graduated in accounting yeah. And uh, so kind of a fun, uh, a fun fact for everyone to know. So I graduated high school in 2007. And so my mom chose to go back to, and for those who don't know my mom, uh, it, her name is June Assisi. And uh, she is the, the best person you'll ever meet. If you needed help with taxes, she can get you there and, and help you through that. And She'll talk a little bit more about that probably a little later. However, when uh, we went, it was kind of a really cool experience for for me. Probably a little bit more hectic for you, Mom, because we you graduated from college the same time I graduated from high school. <laughs> yes, uh, I did, but it worked out very well because originally I went back to BYU, yeah. and I would just take you to weights in the morning and park in the Provo High parking lot because it cost $5 to park at Provo High. <laughs> versus how much? Wasn't it like and 100? Versus like 100 at BYU. At BYU. <laughs> so I would just walk across the street and be on BYU campus. Yeah, I remember that. I remember parking over there and having to carpool with mom to school and she was going to school too, but it was it was a cool experience. I think not a lot of not a lot of high school kids get to say that they uh, 
graduated the same time your mom graduated college. So kudos to you, mom. That's awesome. That was fun. Yes. <clears throat> Just want to know anybody that's thinking about going back, yeah. you can do it. You can do absolutely. Mom could do it. You can do it. But uh, I was going to have just because of the, the nature of what last episode was, where we talked a lot about NIL deals and kind of handle NIL deals. Uh, I'm going to be asking my mom to talk through some of those you know, NIL deals in particular uh, and, and how to handle them from a tax perspective. But before we go too far, I thought it'd be fun for you to kind of share what you remember. And that was a long time ago. That was, I mean, how long ago was that now? Was that almost 15 years ago? More? Yeah. Almost 17 years you, ago. You graduated in 07. So yeah. it's been longer than 15 years now. I think it's I think it's 17 years now. Could be wrong. I don't, I, I don't want to keep counting because I just keep make, making myself feel older, which is crazy. <laughs> but um yeah. So it was a while back. Do you remember a whole lot from, uh, from my recruiting process just as being a mom through mine? I just remember being told by the coaches and the athletic trainers that you had potential to go further. And your older, I was told the same thing about your older brother's um, but they didn't go on mainly because I didn't know the process. Do you think uh, you put a lot of that on your shoulders though? Or like, what do you think was the difference between me? So I, I have, I have three older brothers technically. So I have half brother and two brothers. Um, and the two that went to high school before me in the same, same high school, uh, were Siona and Tabita. Uh, and then my, our oldest brother, Jared, uh, he went to another high school is Orem high school, but, um, for, for Siona and Tavita is who she's speaking to about in particular. And both of them were phenomenal football players. I mean, they're, they're fantastic and they had the size and I'd argue that they had the speed in a lot of ways. If, if I had it, they had it. I mean, I wasn't much more taller than them, but what do you think was the biggest difference between them making it, not making it and me making it? Well, I just assumed at that point that, if they got good grades and took the ACT, that, that's all they needed. Yeah. But with you, since they told me early on that you would probably be able to go further, I started going to the uh, counselors at the, yeah. high, at the high school the moment you became a sophomore. Yeah, I do and remember that. I do remember that. And there was one counselor at the high school that was really good to work with me. You remember his name? It was Nahelma. Oh, who was it? I don't remember her name. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I don't remember her name, but she was really good to help me know all the NCAA qualifications. And she even came up with ways that you could meet those qualifications to the point of even doing a special English class for you and a couple of the other football players. That's funny. Sorry there's about Kit, the cat. That, there's Kit Kat, for those of you who don't know. So so funny story here. So uh, 
my my mom got a cat not too long ago and my dad kind of forced it on her uh but i am deathly allergic of scat of cats and so now i can't visit home anymore no i'm just kidding but, <laughs> uh, but yeah uh kind of back to that the I, I remember being super involved with a gentleman named charles iu i don't know if you remember charles iu but he was he was kind of a, a pivotal pivotal person going through that counseling process in my junior senior year i remember that in particularly um but yeah we there was a what she's referring to was uh i wasn't the best in english i was uh that was probably one topic that i struggled with the most <laughs> and i was fortunate enough to have a a gentleman named jorge jorge zavala who worked with an English teacher there in the high school. And he had realized that, hey, Naki's not going to cut it in English. He's, he may not pass. And so they found a way to create a class uh, that was called English Principles. And it was an NCAA approved class. And there was a few of us in it, not just me. Uh, but the, the, the baseline and the basis of the class actually was to basically go in and just get better at reading. So I, I was... Uh, <laughs> I just went in and, and read books all day uh, with this particular class. And had that not happened, I don't even think I would have been eligible uh, just, just off of one class. I think grades-wise, I was actually really good. But that one class uh, would have prevented me from being NCAA eligible because you technically speaking, you need four years of English coming yes. out of high school. So, yeah, I remember that. I remember that thoroughly. Yeah, I would say... If if you think your kids have potential, you need to meet with the counselors early. And yeah. every school will have somebody who's familiar with the NCAA. Yep. There should be, right? And that's actually there's there's and and just kind of extending an invite. If you have a counselor that isn't educated on that process or you need some education on that process. There's lots of resources in which this, uh, this podcast provides there's episodes in which goes through some of that eligibility process in particularly, but, um, but going forward from there, like what would you say was probably one of the hardest things, uh, just with the recruiting process for, for me in particular, going through it with me. I think just persevering, just, I I remember picking you up from practice when you were a, a sophomore and everybody would re be running back from the stadium and you were always last. And the athletic trainer <laughs> was running by your side to keep you going. And I <laughs> and I remember talking to him and saying, are you sure? <laughs> Like, are you sure that I'm ac I actually have it? Like, I, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. possible. <laughs> he, he doubted, Mom. <laughs> but he said no. He said you just need to be persistent, and you were persistent. By the time you became a senior, you were you were the first one to weights in the morning. You were working out with everybody, and 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 your coach. Your junior and sophomore year really pushed you. Yeah, he was pushed uh, he, you hard. He was a big part of it for sure. And uh, I don't know, I don't know what it was. 
I, I wish I had a crystal ball so I can kind of go back and look and see maybe what was going on in my mind. I just remember uh, developing a, a very competitive edge uh, my sophomore year. And yeah, I did. I was though. It's funny you say that because I, I specifically remember we used to have to run, uh, for those of you who don't know where the old Provo High School was in, in Provo, Utah, it was right across the street from BYU. And it was probably, I would say, four or five blocks away from BYU Stadium or Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And we used to have to run from Provo High in the summers, run all the way over to the stadium. And then we would have to run up and down pretty much every single stadium stair in BYU Stadium. And it was it was exhausting. It was extremely exhausting. And those who haven't been to that stadium, it's a, it's actually a pretty big stadium. Uh, and yeah, I couldn't even, I remember not even making it through like the first, the first set of stairs, I could barely make it through and having to run. And I remember our athletic trainer and it's funny you say that too, cause he would set the pace. He would, he would kind of set the pace of like, Hey, I'll be the last one to go. He always waited for everybody to go and get onto at least like the third or fourth step and then our stair set of stairs and then he would start going and uh it, you were just it was a complete shame if he passed you so you had to go as fast as you could and yeah he, he passed me for probably most of my i think all of my sophomore summer training and then some of my junior senior train uh, junior training as well but i do remember that I, I thanks for bringing up some uh some old scars mom jeez <laughs> what's a mom for <laughs> oh just teasing that's awesome but uh well what would you say is i mean it, maybe it kind of ties into uh being the best part too but uh, for for your perspective what was kind of the best part of that recruiting process i think the best part was when we started getting phone calls that was fun started getting phone calls from recruiters from coaches and actually being on the phone with coaches and hearing how much, <laughs> excuse me, hearing how much they wanted you. Good times. That yeah. was, that was great. Yeah. And I, I have to give you a lot of thanks too, because I remember, you know, going for, for junior days and, uh, and for uh, summer camps, uh, especially the ones up in, in Logan, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we uh we didn't have everything growing up but we always had what we needed and my mom would have to let me borrow her car to go get to go get things and i would just me and sometimes a couple of my my teammates would have to pack into the car uh, these big giant sweaty high school players just ruining my mom's car if you saw it nowadays you'd, you'd see all the damage that we've done to it but um she pretty much sacrificed a whole lot more, not just the car, but I, I specifically remember uh, having some close calls in that car, getting all the way to these camps and getting back and forth. So, but no, I'm, I'm very grateful to that. That's a lot of, yeah, it was a lot of sacrifice to make all that happen while you're working a full-time job. I mean, I think a lot of parents can relate to that. So um, I, I guess my question at, at that point would be, what advice would you give moms and dads that are kind of going through this? And because you've now had uh, a grandson that's kind of gone through this as well, but yeah. what advice would you give parents? I think just make every opportunity available that you can. Obviously you can't always afford every camp, 
or so look at them see which ones will get your sons noticed the most um also loyalty loyalty to the school that your son plays for and i see kids nowadays jumping from high school to high school trying to get on a better team so they can be recruited and i just feel like show some loyalty that the school you're at and the coaches will help you I would uh I would second that. I think the grass isn't always greener on the other side, right? Yeah. Uh, the grass the is not always greener. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'd say that's a principle that you could probably carry out carry through your entire life is knowing and understanding that the grass is greener where you water it. But uh well well that's awesome. And um I appreciate you kind of talking through that. I know that was that was a long time ago. I could barely remember some of these things. So uh, I've been hitting the head way too many times, but as a, as a college player, and, and we're kind of going to get into the the meat and potatoes of really why um, I asked my mom to come on here and it's the, the tax purposes of it, especially as it pertains to NIL, because again, it, it, we're living in a day and age where, where the college, college football and even the college recruiting landscape has changed tremendously uh, where players not only looking for you know a, a Division One scholarship or a scholarship anywhere, whether it be D two junior college, wherever, to get some school paid for, but a lot of players are starting to look for, hey, who's going to pay me the most to be at that school? Uh, it's it's probably hit and miss the schools that actually provide any sort of financial literacy on how you should be approaching this money that you might be earning if you're a student athlete. But if you're looking to get recruited. Uh, or, or are getting recruited. And this, this is going to be one of those topics that comes up most likely is say NIL and what those programs are trying to do for their athletes to, to get you some NIL money. But I think my, my biggest question to you, mom, as we, we go through uh, just these new landscapes is if, if I'm a student athlete and all of a sudden I get a business to convince, I convince a business to give me like a thousand dollars uh, for some advertising with them, what do you think is one of the first things that student athletes should do? Well, student athletes need to be aware that that money is taxable. So anything over $600 that you receive becomes taxable income. Your scholarship is not taxable. Te technically, your room and board is taxable, but they don't tax it because it doesn't go over the individual limit for the year. Um, but if you are making a deal with somebody to earn $1,000 for advertising or earn $5,000 for letting them use your name and image and likeness, you should receive it 1099 at the end of January. And then you will have to file taxes on that money and that's something that your parents should know too. If your parents are still claiming you as a dependent as a dependent on their tax return, they need to know you're going to have to file a tax return for that. Yeah. So even if you're filing under your parents, that's information. Basically, are you are you signing a 1099, and then, I mean, if they're still claiming you, is that you have to fill it out in conjunction with them? No, you would have to file your own tax return. Oh, wow. Okay. So you'd be completely independent at that point. 
Well, you can still be on your parents' return. A lot of student athletes are because they're on their parents' insurance. Oh, I see. So you would just file it. Okay, you'd file, it'd be your own tax return, but they'd still technically claim you as a dependent. Right. Gotcha. Okay. And in that case, when you file your own return, you just put that you can be claimed as a dependent by somebody else. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, that's interesting. So you say, you know, $600 was kind of the threshold on when you should you should ask a business to uh, provide a 1099. And now, can you explain a little bit more what a 1099 is for some of the high school kids that are, are listening in? A 1099 is a tax form which the business gives to you and they also send a copy to the IRS and the state. So the IRS and the state match those up when they get your tax return to show that's the money you received. Now, anything that you did as a student athlete to earn that, say you had to pay for your own phone, you had to drive so many miles in your own car to do that particular advertisement, those things can be written off. So it's important to keep track of any expenses you incur to earn that money. So you, you have to put yourself in the shoes. Of, so you think back to when I was going through uh, my college athlete experience, right? Do you think I had any clue what a 1099 was or what a write-off was? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean to I don't mean to challenge the intelligence of anybody that's listening in on this podcast, but I can tell you right now that when it came to taxes, especially back when I was going through college, uh, even to this day, I still call my mom and say, Hey, what do I do about <laughs> this? Like I, I got this payment. What am I supposed to do with it? Like, so uh I think think about it, think of it in the terms of like, man, these are just like a, a freshman in college, which is crazy to say but it's also very much happening right now i mean it's happening where athletes uh, as a freshman are coming in and making loads of money i mean more money than they probably ever made in their entire life so, uh, but they don't know what to do with it and they, they're not necessarily educated with it so when you say like a write-off uh well, i mean kind of backing up a little bit here so if i have to have a business uh fill out and kind of uh what's the word I'm looking for, uh, cooperate with me and get a 1099, where would I get a 1099 and how would I go about that? Well, the business should request you to fill out a W-9. That's a form from the IRS that gives them your social, your name, your address. Okay. And then that gives them the information they need in January to provide you with a 1099. And that's basically showing that they paid you that money. Yes. Okay. And then because it's important for the business to be able to write off the money they pay you as advertising, and in order for them to do that, they need to show the IRS I paid this guy this much money. Gotcha. So that's so it's a benefit for them on their business because now when you say a write off, like what what is a write off? So a write off is any expense 
that you incurred to make that money. Got it. So if you had to set up a company for your name, image, and likeness, that's a write-off. If you have to use your own vehicle to go to any of these places, we can write off part of the vehicle. We can write off mileage. If you have insurance for yourself, we can write that off. If you have to pay for your own phone for you to make these appointments, there's a lot of different things that can be written off. Gotcha. It it just depends on what you're looking at. Like if you do a, an NIL deal for a restaurant and get $1,000 in free meals, technically that's taxable. Yeah. So talk about that one a little bit more. So, well, I want to, <laughs> okay. So if I, if I back up a little bit here and talking through write-offs and I'm going to try to explain it as, as I would uh, perceive it and understand it when I was going through college, but you're telling me like, Hey, you know, I'm, it costs me a little bit of money to make, to make these advertisements, advertisements happen. And, yes. and any, anything that it costs me to make it happen, whether it be transportation, whether it be, you know, uh, paying for my mobile device so that I can stay in connection in connection, uh, maybe even like home internet, like stuff like that. I can say, Hey, I utilize these things to help me as a person execute these advertisements. And then that those are considered the write-offs and then anything in excess of the write-offs. So let's say if in that thousand dollars, I, I write off, you know, two, $300 worth of expenses then I'm only getting taxed on $700 of it. Yes. Got it. Okay. Okay. Now, so how does that work in regards to, I'm assuming when you say like, Hey, if a restaurant gives you a thousand dollars worth of like food vouchers, I mean, that's, that's, that's taxable. I mean, that's a taxable. It is. Okay. Now if it's taxable, how would I go about that? Is that something where they have to provide a, a W-9 to fill out as well? They should. Sometimes they might choose not to. And then, happy day, you're not taxed. <laughs> <laughs> so if the business if the business provides it, just mm -hmm. cash, they just provide the cash, but, they, but I'm not filling anything out like a W-9 or uh, I'm not filling out my own 1099. Like, is there any tax requirements that I should be aware of at that point? Well, technically, you should always report all your income. Yeah. Whether you get a 1099 or not. Because at some point, the IRS could come back and say, you made this much money and you didn't report it. Yeah. And deductions are always negotiable. But if you fail to report all your income, it then becomes fraud. Fraud. And I'm assuming at that point, it's non-negotiable. They start taking more of it. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. So that's so, so basically, that's what you're up against in an IL is, is either report it or uh, you're committing fraud, tax fraud. Right. At that point. Okay. Is there some grace? Because I'm sure there's going to be an athlete or so that, that listens in and they're like, well, crap, I, I, I got paid like 10 grand last year and I didn't report any of it. Like, is there some grace there where they could say, hey, I was just naive about it. I, I don't understand taxes. Like what happens in that point? 
Um, yes, there is some grace. Normally, if you fail to file a tax return for one year, the IRS will forgive penalties and interest as long as you pay your taxes, but only once. You only get a one-time pass with the IRS. Um, hopefully, some of these athletes are going to be playing in states that don't have any state taxes. Yeah. So the income they make in those states... Nevada, Texas, is not taxed to the state. That's actually a really good point. I didn't even think about it. So all those athletes that are playing in, in states where they don't have actual income tax, they're, they're getting away with a little bit more money. Yes. Huh. All right. That's actually a pretty good recruiting tool there. If you're <laughs> in those states. <laughs> huh. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, there's actually 11 of them. That all right? Yeah, I'm not going to ask they you. They don't have state income tax. That's wild. Okay, well, that's pretty. That's good information to know. Um, well, if I go about, if I'm an athlete and I'm concerned about making sure that I'm making the right moves, is there? I mean, is there a way that they can reach out to you? Maybe talk about your business a little bit. Um, I own a business called Elf Consulting. That's E L F. It's my daughter's initials. Happy uh, sisters. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> People are welcome to contact me. We're going to be going into tax season soon. Um, but I have a little bit of experience. <laughs> <laughs> Except you got to deal with the cat. That's the only <laughs> problem. You got to deal with <laughs> cat to cat. <laughs> I have a little bit of experience with athletic things and Nike has a friend but I've done his tax return for years so yeah I I'm obviously gonna, do Nike's she's been doing mine for years I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop a couple because I know they're gonna be okay with it and I'll even double check with him but uh Tyler Larson so he's he's been on the podcast before uh, he plays for the Washington Commanders and uh he he does his he's how long has he been coming to taxes coming to get his taxes done with you no, I think as long as he's been in the NFL. Yeah, it's been a long. I think it's even before he he started playing in the NFL, he was doing taxes. And then you have uh, Michael Smith, who's currently the I want to say running backs coach at University of Northern Colorado. Yeah, uh, he's been he's been coming to you for a little while now. Yeah, I remember Mike's story. So I remember Mike. Uh, at, we were working together at Oregon State University. And Mike was telling me just, just, you know, this nightmare of a story about he was working with this tax person and he's like, man, they just, they, they got, I had to pay money. I don't think I'm supposed to be paying money and I don't know what's going on here. And I was like, dude, just, just call my mom, bro. Just call my mom and she'll help you through it. And she's like, you sure? And I was like, absolutely. And, uh, it was right after that tax season, Mike came back to me and he was like, my, your mom's my person. I'm never going anywhere ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of a fun experience, but well, that's, that's super cool. Um, one question I had uh, that I'm curious about. So I didn't do this until I was done with college and I moved on to do some sales and stuff kind of like right outside of college. But one thing that I did was uh, create my own business. And I, and I had like an, my own business entity. And I'm wondering if you think it is a worthwhile thing for a student athlete to do is to have their own actual business, like, like, a, like an LLC of sorts. Yes, I think it's worthwhile. 
if they're going to be making in the 10, 20, even higher thousand dollar range, I think it would definitely be worthwhile. I think that they should make it as an S corp because an S corp, you don't have to pay social security and Medicare taxes on the income from an S corp. And you can be the only person on the S corp. Interesting. Okay. Uh, an LLC is technically a partnership and you will be charged social security and Medicare on that. So an S corp, I think for athletes is their best option and just set it up as Funaki OCC Inc. Oh, gotcha. Just incorporated. Yeah. Okay. How do you fill out an S corp? Just, just go, don't even worry about it. Just call you and get it done. Yeah, that would be the easiest way. <laughs> or contact an attorney or yeah. another accountant if you have someone you know and love and trust. Or if you're working with a collective and the collective has people that they work with. Cool. I mean, I'm sure that some of these collectives have help for the student athletes yeah. and don't just leave it up to chance. What would you say would be one of the biggest, and, and maybe I'm overthinking things here a little bit. This might be a you know, unnecessary question, but if you can think of a way that a student athlete could be kind of in big trouble or even maybe scammed of some sorts, like, has, can you think of anything that they should be looking out for as they go about NIL deals from a tax perspective? I think be aware of people who tell them that they don't need to report the income. Oh, for sure. Um, because you don't want to, you don't want to get into that boat of being open to fraud investigating. Yeah. Um, just try to be honest in all of your dealings with people, yeah. and that includes the IRS. If if you're honest with them. They will help you, and it won't be, oh, my gosh, I got a letter from the IRS. No. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, just know that there's people out there that can help you and can help you get out of whatever jam you think you might be in. And you're one of those people. So if you're if you're listening in, uh, obviously, I'm going to give a plug for my mother's business, uh, where she works alongside uh, my sister, Ella, who's uh, been on the podcast a couple times before as well. And obviously my other sisters that are very active in helping with this business, uh, but Elf Consulting, make sure you reach out to them. Do you guys have a, like a direct line or an email that's best to reach out to? Email is elfconsulting3 at gmail.com. Phone number is 801-822-9554. Make sure you're reaching out. If you start getting all that money and your NIL deals, uh, you're, you're, to make sure you're handling it correctly from a tax perspective, I would highly suggest, and so would a lot of my buddies that now go to my mom for their taxes, I would suggest you reach out and get your taxes taken care of correctly so you don't have headaches down the road. We are, we're going to wrap it up here, but before we do, mom, anything else you want to, you want to say? I think the only thing I would add is that the high schools do a terrible job of teaching kids about taxes. And if you have a parent who teaches you 
that's wonderful. I have a few clients who bring their teenage kids with them and teach them about getting taxes done. But for the most part, our education system is failing kids on what they should be learning about this. That's so true. I, uh, we were just, what's funny is I was sitting there just telling you about how I, when I was going through it in college, I had no clue. I had no clue what to do. Even to this day, I struggle with knowing and understanding what I'm supposed to be doing from a tax perspective. So yeah, very true. And, uh, I, I remember there being a transition actually, uh, at some point when I was working at, um, University of Oregon and slightly at Utah State as well. Uh, but the whole idea, we, we used to have these courses where student athletes incoming to their first year of playing Division One sports uh, and college athletics, they had to go through kind of like a life skills program and it would help them transition into just being out on their own and they would learn a lot of skills, not just about the themselves but also just being in that particular community paying bills like things that they just you know they never really had to do and what was crazy to me is that we got a lot of pushback at some of the universities that i was at for that particular course saying like hey that's not that's not like an approved or a worthwhile course to be teaching these kids life skills so to speak and i disagree completely because if Again, I put myself back in those shoes. I mean, I, mom, you know, I barely knew how to do a load of laundry when I was, <laughs> when I first got to college, I, mean, I was calling you guys for everything. I was like, wait a minute. You're telling me I got to separate the whites from the darks. And then there's a lights too. Hold on. This doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you hundred percent. Yeah. I just, I think our education system could just do a much better job. I like that. Huh? What else you got? That was a good one. That's the bandwagon I've been on for several years. Yeah. Um, yeah. We definitely, we definitely don't, yeah, we definitely don't prepare uh, students for, you know, things that they actually going to incur in a life. Like I think the one too, I'm like, first time I had to go through a home buying process, that it was like, it was just like a foreign, foreign language to me. I didn't even know people started talking to me about financing and interest rates and, all this stuff. And I'm like, this, this wasn't in math. Like this didn't come out. Like these formulas weren't there. And if they were, I blew right past me. I think a lot of kids don't take it unless they're interested in finance yeah. or accounting. They're not taking these classes. And yeah. so life skills like these are leaving them behind. And there was a president that said those that don't understand interest pay it those who understand it earn it yeah i like that i mean some of those tools i mean easy ones for college athletes now uh, and i always remember thinking back and we we had this spreadsheet when i was at university of oregon in particular where we would help like it's like a budget sheet that we would give student athletes and we'd say hey this is how if you take your check and every stipend check that you get, you saved X amount of dollars and you budget your funds this way. We basically showed them a way that by the time they graduated, they were they were graduating with like 20 grand in the bank, right? And it was, it was phenomenal. But when I look back at it, I'm like, man, imagine had I, you know, had I had the tools back then that I do now, tools like 
uh, Robinhood uh, tools, like even Venmo has different types of like investment investment platforms. And I think most most bank apps that you can get will provide different types like of, of e-trading. And I'm like, man, I could have put money in stocks back when I was in college, like any spare change that I have. And there wasn't a whole lot of spare change, but if you're getting NIL deals and you got spare change on hand, if you put it into a bank, it just sits there and collects what, like, like a, a you know, 0.3% or less on uh, an annual percentage rate return versus you putting it into a stock that has, you know, stocks can be a little bit risky, but that have a chance to you know, grow to, you know, 10, 13%, whatever it is. So it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's one tool I wish I would have had back then. Yeah. And Sometimes even the schools don't know. If yeah. if you're going to somebody at the school and asking them for help, your situation in Oregon with a player from another country That's true. that had no idea his stipend was being taxed. Yeah. And then he gets a W-2 at the end of the year and has no way of knowing what to do with it. No clue. I mean, he's from a foreign country too. So he's kind of like, what is this? Like, what am I... Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So uh, we won't name names, obviously, on that one. But that's a that was an extremely interesting story, and uh, I'm sure if he were to listen in, that he would be very much okay with sharing that. It'd be fun to have him on sometime. Uh, but yeah, do you remember much of that story? Like he was like I don't even remember him being taxed, and I thought it was absurd that he was being taxed because I don't think any of the other student athletes were being taxed on their actual stipend. No. They're not, they were not being taxed on their stipends, but because he was from a foreign country making money in the United States, it then became taxable. But it was taxable in the United States. It wasn't taxable. It was taxable in the United States, not the foreign country. Hey, so that's actually really good to know. Is that, do you know if that's something that's standard across the board from any, for any student athletes that are coming from foreign countries to play football? Yes. Wow. Really good. And then also what the student athletes need to realize if they do make the NFL or if they do make something, they're they're paying state taxes in every state they play in. That's wild. Unless the state doesn't have income tax. Unless the state doesn't have income tax. But if you play for that for I don't even know what cities these teams are in anymore. <laughs> but if you play for a team in New York and you play a team in Cleveland or you play a team in South Carolina or California, some of these places not only have state tax, they have city tax. Oh wow. So that's actually so an interesting thing to think about there too. So let's say you're a college player. You're a college player that uh, is at, I don't know, a Pac-12 school. Let's say you're playing at a school in California. And Pac-12 is no more, so that was a bad example. But let's say you're playing in, <laughs> let's say you're playing in California. And then you transfer at the, you know, at the, towards the end of your season. And you transfer to a school out on the East Coast, like uh, somewhere in Florida, for example. Uh you're now having to pay taxes in two states based off of any NIL money that you're making uh, from the transfer, right? So if I was making money in the state of 
California via NIL. And now I'm over in Florida and I got like a, a signing bonus to come over there and play through NIL. I have to pay taxes in Florida and California. California. Is that correct to yeah. say? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And nobody's thinking about that. Everyone's thinking about making these big old NIL deals, but no one's thinking about, okay, well, where do I have to pay taxes to on it? Uncle Sam will always get his part. Whether you like it or not, that's, that's, that's right. a fact. Well, that's why the tax code is so long that nobody ever really reads it. Yeah. Well, I don't. You know, I don't. It's just it's too much. It's like asking me to read the dictionary. I'm like, I mean, I know enough words in there that I could probably figure it out, but I don't need to read the entire thing. But <laughs> luckily we have people like you that read the entire thing. So there are right. lots to think about. It is lots to think about. I'm sure I'm going to have some questions on this one. That'd be fun. Anything else you want to say? Any advice you might give? <laughs> I think you're doing a great job. Oh. And of course, you're my son. And I think you're amazing. <laughs> and Thanks. I think everybody should listen to Tanaki. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Because he has lots of experience. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah, not all of it was uh, expected, but and didn't really have a choice, I think. Uh, but, well, uh, just for everyone listening in, if you're worried about the integrity of my mother, you're out of your mind. This is the most wonderful woman that you'll ever meet. Uh, a lot of the opportunities that I've had in my life have been at the sacrifice that she's made, and I never forget it. And, Mom, I'm always grateful for it. Um Thank you so much. I don't want to make you cry on my podcast, so I won't say too much. <laughs> I was going to say, now you're just trying to make me cry. <laughs> but her her, and that old fart of a man that walked in and, and interrupted the podcast, those two uh, mean the absolute world to me for everything that they've uh, sacrificed to help me get where I am today. And I never forget it. All the lessons learned. So thank you, Mom. I love you. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Love you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not crying yet. You're not yet. <laughs>